glory. I like that uh, phrase, uh, he's unwilling to abandon. Yes. I never read it like that till I was just sitting here. But he's, he's unwilling to abandon the cheerful giver. Yeah. What does that, that mean? It means you, you can give happy. I mean, have you ever met somebody who just gives? All, I mean, like I think my son, <laughs> he used to give so much in school. You know, we teach him to be a giver. And he'd come back and I'd give him lunch money for the week. And he'd give it all away the first day. And I was like... Dude, <laughs> like that was for your week. Like now what are we going to do? You're going to be eating peanut butter and jelly because I'm not going to give you more money. He just, but what are you going to do? I mean, uh, he was just happy to give and I was teaching him how to give and then I was supposed to tell him no, no, but God's unwilling to abandon. He, he doesn't get nervous if you give too much. I'll say yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a mom who was trying to pull it out of my wallet, I got nervous when my son gave too much. <laughs> I did. I had to work on my, you know, my mindset when he was such a big giver. But God doesn't get nervous. He's not going to abandon you if you give too much. Glory to God. He enjoys it. He enjoys it. Praise the Lord. Anyway, he's, he's so good. You know, there's times where... Um, of course, Reverend Joel wasn't with us last week. He was in Nebraska. Um, we looked at that verse last week, didn't we, for the, for the uh, offering. Yeah, but, you know, when God brings the same thing to us over and over, reminding us, and, and we, we, I hear it often, sometimes things that I might be ministering on, someone will come up and say, you know, so-and-so has been ministering that same thing. I've been listening, you know, whether it's on TV or, or have you. There's different patterns you'll find with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He'll start emphasizing different things to you, and he'll bring it up over and over. Well, notice that. Don't just say, oh, well, we've heard that before. You know, Pastor Amy already taught that. No, 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 no. If it's coming up again and again, it's for a reason. It's something that God is emphasizing for us, Mm -hmm. something he wants us to grab hold of and and get it. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Um, Turn with me, if you would, um, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We've been talking uh, the past couple of weeks now on the importance of being filled with the Spirit. Um, we have looked at Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Remember Acts chapter 1, Jesus was, a, he had already died, yeah. paid the price for our sins. He had risen from the dead. And then he had come back for 40 days, the Bible says. He, had come in, he would come in and out and talk to his disciples. And he, would, he, was, he was giving them some last-minute instructions, if you want to say it that way, before he moved to heaven. And he told them the last thing that he told them, and we see it emphasized several different times in Scripture. He told them, I'm going to go, but what I need you to do is go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And he said, he said, this promise of the Father, it's going to be, it's going to give you power, right. power to become witnesses. And uh, he said, I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
He said all these different phrases as he was telling them, There's, you're, you're born again, you believe in me, you see me, I've been risen from the dead, that's good, but there's one more thing that you're going to need and I need you to wait for it. I don't, I don't need you to go anywhere else until you get this. And then we looked in Acts chapter 2, where on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And where the whole, all 120 of them, boom, it says that, that uh, this sound rushed in and the Holy Spirit came down in tongues of fire and sat upon each one of them. And they all began, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were so full, they were speaking in this heavenly language, and the, all, the whole hundred and so of them, they all came reeling out of that upper room, right? They came rocking out of there, so much so they were so full of the Spirit of God, they're all speaking in this heavenly language, and it says that people from all over in Jerusalem Jerusalem started coming to where this sound was. They wanted to see what was going on. They get there and they see these people stumbling out, all talking in these, this language. And they look at each other and say, are these guys drunk? And Peter stands up and goes, no, no, no. We're not drunk like you think we're drunk. We're, 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 we're doing what was prophesied years and years, hundreds of years ago by the prophet Joel. And he goes and starts preaching to this whole group of people because he says, we're filled with the Spirit. He said, Joel told us in the last days, God's going to pour out upon all flesh. He's going to pour out of his Spirit. And this what you're seeing here, all of us speaking in other tongues, all of us walking around so full of God, it's hard to walk. What you're seeing is what Joel prophesied. Yeah. And then we were looking at all these, and, and so Jesus told, told his disciples, this occurrence, this filling of the Spirit, this baptism in the Spirit, this speaking in other tongues, this is going to give you power. Power. Everybody say power. 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 Glory to God. And so we just looked at some of the different, uh, different places in the uh, book of Acts where the Spirit of God uh, filled people, uh, where, or excuse me, where people were filled with the Spirit of God, we'll say it that way, and, and where they spoke in other tongues. And uh, we wanted to talk about the benefits of this infilling of this receiving this baptism of the Holy Spirit, of, of, of speaking in other tongues, this heavenly language. So important to know about, so important to know where these are in, this, in the uh, scriptures. Amen? So we've been actually, on Sundays and Tuesdays, we've been uh, ministering along these lines. But in Acts chapter, did I say 8? I meant Acts chapter 9. Sorry, Acts chapter 9. I wanted to look at the testimony of, uh, well, the occurrence of a man that was named Saul. Now, we know this man as Paul, right? Uh, this man, Saul, the Bible says that he was so zealous for God as a Jew 
that he decided these Christians have got to go. These people preaching about Jesus, they, they've all got to be locked up. Yeah. They've got to be killed if they need to be killed. But he was so, uh, so zealous for God the way he thought the way he thought God wanted things to be. He thought Jesus was a, a phony, a fake. He thought he was, you know, he, he needed to be this wiped out of people's minds. And the way to do that is to lock up all the Christians. So this guy, Saul, I mean, obviously the Christians were avoiding him at, at all costs. Yeah. And Saul is, the Bible tells us, he's on the way to a town called Damascus. Mm -hmm. And he has papers, he has orders from the court, if you will. He has, he has permission to go to Damascus, gather up all the Christians, and put them in prison or have them beaten or do whatever means is necessary to get rid of them. And so this is where our story picks up as we look at Acts 9. It says in verse 1, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, which is what they called um, Christianity at the time, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly. Sound like Acts chapter 2? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, that's interesting. He was going to lock up who? People, Christians, people that are following the way. But this voice says, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He answered his own question, <laughs> right? Who are you, Lord? And, he, and this voice said, I am am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, I don't know about you, when I came to know the Lord, it wasn't this spectacular. <laughs> I did not have a light shine. I did not uh, fall to the ground with those around me. I did not hear a voice uh, that was the Lord Jesus. But Saul was so turned against the things of God as far as Jesus was concerned, mm. that he needed this massive uh, awakening, yes. if you will. And so it says, um, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Well, that's pretty intense. So it says, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Wow. So apparently Paul saw Jesus, but, but these men, they, they heard a voice, but they, did, they heard the voice too. Wow. So it says, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. This is an experience, guys. 
This, this is stunning. I mean, he's, this light was so bright to him that it actually blinded him, even though his eyes were opened. Now, we know what it's like to look into the sun, right? And when you, when you come away, you know, you might be seeing stars or it's, it's hard to focus. Or if you go from outdoors to indoors, remember, it's real, it's, it's hard to focus, right? But this light was so bright, he literally could not see. And we'll see here in the scriptures, for three days, he yes. could not see. This is, a, this is supernatural, right? Supernatural, not natural, not normal, supernatural. So um, it says in verse 9, for three days he was without sight, yes. and he neither ate nor drank. Well, if you had such an experience with God, and you had been so against Jesus that you were watching people get murdered, in that name, in the name of Jesus, and you were watching people be locked up and tortured, and then all of a sudden you realize Jesus is Lord. He, I mean, this was this blew his world yeah. apart, and so he spent three days uh, meditating <laughs> on on his new path and what what his choices had been. And it says here, now there was a disciple, verse 10, at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. All right, that sounds good, except Ananias knows who Saul is. He knows why he's on his way to Damascus, because word's already out. He's coming to get the Christians. And now God's saying, go find Saul, that guy, you know? Go find him. Lay your hands on him. Yeah. Let him see who you are in the name of Jesus. And, and, and Ananias has some issues with this. Um, you know, it is God talking to him, and yet he says, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. That is very interesting to me. I've always, that's always kind of bugged me. <laughs> really? The first thing you're going to let Paul know about or Saul is how much he's got, got to suffer? <laughs> Paul was called by God to do a massive amount for the kingdom of God, right? Most of our New Testament letters that we have were written by Paul. 
But the thing that he points out to Ananias is he's going to suffer. There's things he's going to have to endure. Why? Because just like Saul was going after the Christians, now other people are going to go after him because he's a Christian. Yes. And so this is very interesting. Now, remember, we're talking about uh, people getting baptized in the Spirit, getting filled with the Spirit, mm -hmm. speaking in other tongues, gaining po the power that they need. So in verse 17, it says, Ananias departed and entered the house. So he obeyed God. He believed God that, that something had changed with Saul <laughs> in order for him to go. So Ananias departs and enters the house and laying his hands on him, on Paul or Saul, he said, brother Saul, so he knows he's a Christian now, right? He calls him brother. Yeah. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight. That's what God told him, right? Yeah. Go lay hands on him so that he can regain your sight. But look at this. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. God didn't point that out to Ananias, did he? Not that we have recorded. He said, go lay your hands on him so that he can regain his sight. And he's going to have to suffer a lot because of who he is. So Ananias goes in, says, uh, be, regain your sight, right? Be healed of that and be filled with the Spirit. Why was Ananias so, I mean, he's only been saved three days. Ananias knew if this man's going to be suffering persecution, he's going to need the power of the infilling of the Spirit to, to handle that, right? So we, we see, last week we talked a little bit about how the, the Spirit of God coming upon us, the, uh, the infilling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, that gives us, Jesus told us it would give us power to be witnesses. That's power outwardly. Power to be witnesses. But how many realize that the, the infilling of the Spirit, it also gives us power inwardly. Yeah. It helps to give us spiritual strength if you will. It, it helps us praying in other tongues, speaking in other tongues. It helps us on the inside, allows our spirit to gain the strength it needs to endure. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. And Paul, more than anyone else really, we see in the New Testament at least, uh, he had to endure hardships and persecutions uh, he at one point said that there, there's a messenger from Satan that comes to buffet me, give me blow after blow. Every town I go in, when I start preaching the gospel, things got stirred up. People got so, I mean, they got violently mad. Yes. That was more than just human anger. Yes, it was. That was demonic spirits stirring things up against Paul everywhere he went. And Ananias knew, oh, if this man uh, is called by God in this spectacular way, the first thing he's going to need is be filled with the Spirit. 
This is, this is the first thing he's going to need. And so he gets filled with the Spirit. Um, he spends time there in Damascus. He starts, he go, starts going to the temple. He starts testifying to what happened to him. Do you know the moment you get born again, you can start testifying yes. to people about it? Yes. Hey, Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed hey, my life. Hey, guess what? I, I, was, I didn't know where I was going in my life. I was just beating my head against the wall and tripping on everything. And then, then I prayed and received Jesus. He opened my whole heart up. And you can actually start talking and witnessing about the things of God the moment you receive him. Yes, you can. Praise God. And that's what Paul did. The moment he, was, he started talking in the temple, he started going there and said, hey, guess what? I was on my way here to persecute some people and I found out they're right. <laughs> Jesus is real. And what, why did he, why was he able to do that? Because he had received some power. Yes. Glory to God. He was filled with the Spirit. And we see throughout the New Testament, um, well, throughout the book of Acts, we see some of his journeys and the things that he did, and we see the persecution that God was talking about. Mm -hmm. There was some sufferings. But Paul said, I rejoice in the Lord always. Yes. Yeah. He said, he, it, I, he, in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. Why did he say things like that? Because as soon as he got born again, the next thing that happens, what we see is he got filled with the he Spirit. Got, he, was filled. he was filled. And then he's the one that writes in Ephesians that we're to be filled with the Spirit continually. Yes. That, that it's not just a one-time thing, but he starts teaching, hey, this is something we can live out day to day. We can, we can live a lifestyle of fullness. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. We can live a lifestyle of peace. We can live a lifestyle of joy. We can live a lifestyle of fullness mm -hmm. with this power on the inside. Praise the Lord. So if you would, turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians 14. We're not going to take much longer here this morning. But of course, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians and in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, we're certainly not going to get into the whole chapter. We don't have time to do that. But he's actually giving some instructions to the Corinthian church about how to conduct church, uh, church services, mm -hmm. right? Because everybody in, in the Corinthian church was so excited about the things of God and the supernatural move of God that there was a, a lot of things that were out of order. You know, people just standing up and prophesying or standing up and speaking in tongues and doing this and that. So he was putting some order to some things. But I want to let you just look at verse 4 for me. And Paul says this. Uh, we're just going to look at that first part, actually. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Yeah. You see that? The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. We're talking about the fact that being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues, it, it strengthens your inner man. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
but I don't understand what I'm saying, Pastor Amy. I know. It's a heavenly language. You don't have to understand what you're saying to have your spirit empowered, to have your spirit built up. Okay, so we see this, this verse here. Let's look in Jude. Let's look in Jude. Now, Jude is right before Revelation. So if you find Revelation and just go back a page, you'll find Jude. Hallelujah. I've got a, I've got a couple translations, so I want to get to it in my notes here, which I haven't even opened yet. Hallelujah. Everybody doing good today? Okay, so Jude 1, verse 20. In the ESV it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, keep yourselves in love, in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And he keeps going. But in Jude 1.20 in the message, we're going to look in the message translation. It says this, but you, dear friends, yeah, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. By praying, what does that mean? Well, praying in the Spirit can be in English, but many times it's in other tongues. Amen. Yeah. It's in other tongues. So what's he saying? Judah's saying, you can build yourselves up. What is he talking about? Your spirit man. You can strengthen yourself, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in other tongues, mm -hmm. by praying in the spirit. This is something that strengthens your inner man. And so it's not just, a, 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 I got baptized with the Spirit back in, you know, 1972, and that was good, and I've, I've never spoken in tongues since then. No, 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 no. That's not our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is a lifestyle of prayer, our life, a lifestyle of living full of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Part of that, not all of it, but part of that is speaking in other tongues daily. Yes. One of the reasons, one of the benefits is this right here. It builds us up. Mm -hmm. Can we look at this in the Amplified, please? There's so many benefits. Yes. There's so many reasons that people need this experience. But in the Amplified, is that it? Mm -hmm. But you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, Make progress. Oh, I like that now. Make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So we see this. Uh, we can make progress by praying. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, this does not discount the, the Word of God, right? We need the Word, and we need to pray in the Spirit. Yes. We, need we need both. And uh, trust me, I've, I've met Christians that do one or the other, and that's it. That's not true. Uh, 
You know, I've met people that they know the word, they study the word, they can quote the word, but they're not baptized in the spirit. And, you know, everything's mental to them. Every decision is mental to them. Yeah. They, they, they don't know how to process the word that they're reading. It gives them some life, but it's not balanced in their life. I've met other people that got filled with the Spirit and decided all I need to do is pray in other tongues and live in the Spirit. And I don't really need to read the word. If, if God wants me to know something of the word, he'll just bring it to my remembrance. Well, you can't remember something you've never read. <laughs> right? Come on. We need both, right? We need, both. we need the Word and we need the Spirit. So there's a balancing act to this. There are days where the Spirit will prompt me to pray a lot. I, I might spend an hour or two or more. And I might go throughout my day praying in other tongues just under my breath as I'm running errands or doing things. There's other days where I'll sit down for a couple hours and just read the Word. But most of the time, it's a little bit of both mm -hmm. throughout my day, right? A little bit of scripture, a little bit of prayer, fellowshipping with my father. Yeah. But what I want us to see is the importance of both, right? Mm -hmm. yes. uh, we don't just do one and not the other. We want both. The reason we pray in the other, one of the reasons we pray in other tongues is to strengthen ourselves, build ourselves up, and I love this, make progress. Make progress. There's something about praying in the Spirit when I will do that for a while, and then I go back and read the Word, more light comes to me. Why? Because my spirit's in tune with the Word. My spirit is in tune with the things of God, and it receives more from the Word. So we, we need both in our lives. Praise God. Make progress. Rise like an edifice. Higher and higher. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Amen. We can make progress in life by praying in other tongues. Mm -hmm. So there's benefits uh, when we get baptized in the Spirit. There's, there's the benefit of power to be a witness. For sure there's that. There's a benefit of power. He will give us things to say to people. Uh, he'll give us uh, the unction to uh, be bold, to be witnesses. Yes. He'll give us the, 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 the words to say and, and the things to do to minister to people. But he also builds our inner man. We build our inner man when we pray in the Spirit, when we spend time speaking in other tongues one of the benefits is inward. Mm -hmm. And it's a big one. Brother Hagen said most of the, the things that happened in his ministry, he actually spent time praying those things out before they ever happened in, in real time. Mm -hmm. he, he knew different phases of his ministry by praying in other tongues. You can pray these things out Sometimes when you're praying, English words will come out right after you start speaking in other tongues and you're actually, you're, you're uh, what's the word? Interpreting. Interpreting, thank you. You're interpreting what you were just praying and you'll get some light of your future. Mm -hmm. 
We, we don't minister a lot on these things. There's so many subjects. But I wanted us to get this, the importance of this, and see it in the Word. Saul had such an amazing experience. And Ananias, the first thing he wanted him to do was get filled with the Spirit. Because mm -hmm. there's things in life we all will have to endure. Not like Paul, thankfully. <laughs> I think he took a lot of the blow for us all. Praise God. I'm glad we live in a country where we can preach and not be beaten for it. Amen? But, but there are things that all of us will have to face. And living full, living full, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying and building yourself up and making progress in the Spirit will give you the fortification that you need to endure the tests, the trials, yes. to get Amen. through anything that's coming against you, any persecution, people talking about you. Listen, there were times when people would say stuff about me before I knew Christ, and I'd fall apart. I mean, what, what others thought about me mattered so much to me. Not so much anymore. I mean, I don't want to do things to vex people, of course. <laughs> Praise the Lord. However, um, say what you will, I've been fortified, strengthened on the inside. Amen? Amen. And, and the love God has for me, the love He's given me, yes. the things He's done in my life, have made me so strong that what others say just bounces off. Bounces Amen. off. Amen. Bounces off. Can we turn to Philippians 4? Yeah, we can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want you to see, when you're reading um, the letters that Paul wrote... Uh, think about his conversion and think about what, what happened to him. And, and it, it's really quite amazing um, how dramatic his entrance into the things of God was. But he says in verse 4, what we quoted in Philippians 4, verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Uh, he's in prison, guys, when he's writing that. He's in prison. And yet he's telling the Philippians, you guys need to rejoice more. I always rejoice. And then he says in verse 9, he says, um, nope, that's not what I want. Well, we'll start there. In verse 9, it says, What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern for me. He's talking about they gave him an offering. Uh, you, you've, you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity or you weren't able to give. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned. This is what we want to look at. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, 
abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What was his secret? I've learned how to be full. I've learned how to be filled with the Spirit. I've learned how to stay full of the one who, know, who can strengthen me in any situation. I can be hungry or I can have plenty. I can, I can be, uh, have lots of money. I can have little money. It doesn't matter because I'm full of the strengthener. I'm full of the one who lives on the inside of me and gives me the strength that I need. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Glory to God. Strength to be a witness outwardly. Strength inwardly. Inwardly to make progress in the things of God. To make progress and understand and move forward. Glory to God. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be filled with your spirit, to live full. We love you and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and this wonderful gift of speaking in other tongues. Thank you, Father. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're dismissed.